Blood Women Cry Wolf and Sexual Harassment. Today we're going to be talking about that in the context of our current presidential election. Well, welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and you're a terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, unless you've been under a rock, you know there have been women coming out one by one um, who are accusing uh, Donald Trump of various kinds of alleged sexual harassment, from um, touching to kissing to having his hand up their skirt. Well, <laughs> today I'm going to be telling you um, to please don't believe everything you hear or read about these accusations. Look at their crocodile tears and the details of what the accusers are saying and whether they would never have brought it up if not for this being the midst of the presidential election. Well, today we're going to be talking first about, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, tell you, ask you to think about, um, the psychological explanations and, and other explanations for why these women would be coming out now. And then in the second part of the show, I'm going to be looking at each of the first 10 women who have come out that we know of, the first 10 women who have been in the media, and I'm going to show you what is bogus um, and I know that's tough. I'm getting myself into trouble with yet another podcast, but hey, this is what I really think. Now, maybe I have been um, hugged and um, kissed and groped too many times to think this is a big deal. Um, but, but really, you know, I, I think we are overreacting to all of this. And would people be thinking the same um, if this weren't Donald Trump and if this who, who the media is out to get and, um, and in the midst, you know, coming down to the wire in this presidential election? Now, let's be honest. How many times have you had a man, for you women listeners, um, and for you men who have seen this, or maybe you've done it yourself, how many times have you had a man touch you on your shoulder, on your back, give you a hug? And of course, you know, if you, if you uh, put your arm under their arm or you give a woman a hug or anybody a hug, well, a woman in particular, their breast, of course, will touch your chest. Um, or even how many times have you been kissed on the cheek or even on the mouth? And maybe you didn't like it if the man is gross or you don't like him. Um, you probably pushed him away or told him stop, and then you shrugged it off. Um, now I'm not talking about heavy petting or rape, and I'm not saying that it's okay for anybody, a man or a woman, to invade your personal space and to touch you or do something to your body that you don't approve of. But I think that we're, you know, this is a tempest in a, yet another tempest in a teapot that we're having here. Um, now, also, I think it's partly a question of uh, generation, because Donald Trump, um, you know, when he was growing up, I mean, he's 70 years old, and I think men who, uh, the, the older a man is, the more likely he is to have um, not thought very much about this, to have a more paternalistic attitude towards women. And, um, 
Oh man, I can't believe it that the this apparently is the time that the garbage trucks come, which I don't understand because we haven't had this problem before. I, Nancy should. I don't know. This seems to be the time that the garbage trucks are invading my street. I think it must be Hillary Clinton <laughs> who is trying to not let people hear my podcasts if they are um, trying to make excuses for Donald Trump. But let's go. Let's go forward anyhow. So the point is that um, you need to, to to really, you know, would you come out and um, make a bit as big a deal about your accusers? Now I understand that times have changed from the times actually that most of these alleged harassment events happened. You know, most of them go back years. So I mean, the first one um, is thirty. Well. One of the women is from 36 years ago. And let me tell you, if you've seen pictures of Donald Trump, aside from his having money, he was really pretty cute all those years ago. So the women, you know, weren't thinking that this was um, such a big deal until all of a sudden now he's running for president and and um, they can get their time in the sun. So let me tell you some of the some of the reasons why I think these women are doing this. First of all, um, these are women scorned. Now I wrote a book called Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. And I talk about 12 different profiles of bad girls. And one of them is the bad girl scorned. And this is a woman who um, likes a guy, um, you know, usually for, in my Bad Girls book, these are women who have had uh, dating relationships with a man and they were hoping that it would turn into a more permanent relationship and then the man dumps them. And so they stalk the man first and then they want to get revenge at the man, towards the man, and they do all kinds of horrible things to, to him because they're angry, they're hurt, and they're, they feel rejected. Their hopes are dashed that this is going to turn into a permanent relationship. So what's another reason? Uh, many of these women are histrionic and um, the, uh, they want to get attention. They want their 15 minutes of fame. They want to prove to the world that they're so desirable that even a man like Trump, who could have his choice of women, um, was sexually attracted to them. Another reason would be they are Hillary supporters and they're justifying their embellishments of what Trump allegedly did to them on the basis of wanting to help Hillary win. Not to mention that she has been their role model as far as fashioning the truth to suit her own benefit. So, um, what else? They, a lot of these women are staunch feminists and um, they hate men. <laughs> Or they're at least, they at least think that all men are sex fiends and misogynists, and they're relishing this opportunity to stand on their soapbox to demean a man running for president. The long tentacles of Hillary's campaign and Gloria Allred's connections, as reason number five, may well have reached out to them. Uh, to women, I mean, of course, now it's all in the media, so women know that all you have to do is uh, call Hillary's campaign, call Gloria Allred, and you can be on TV too. <laughs> now, to get into um, 
Now, I want to, um, let me just also say that I am, my opinions um, about all of this that you're going to continue to hear whether you like it or not, <laughs> I guess you could turn it off, but, but you won't want to miss um, my particular analyses of the specific women, so don't turn this off. But I, I just want to tell you where I'm coming from, not only as a psychiatrist who has treated countless women and men, but also, and who wrote the book Bad Girls, and who wrote the book before that, Bad Boys, so I come at it equally. Um, but I'm also a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness, and I've testified in countless cases of sexual harassment. I've testified at depositions and trials for both sides, for the defendant and for uh, the woman who is alleging sexual harassment. So this is a, a topic that I have been studying for years and seen actual real-life examples in my own office. So, um, you know, many times there, there actually was sexual harassment committed, but many times um, there are psychological reasons for why the women are coming forward. Now, typically what it is, you know, is that in a lot of cases, these are women who were fine with, if not encouraging of, the man's kissing them or touching them or more, as long as they believed he was interested in having a relationship with them. But as soon as they realized that he wasn't planning on developing a relationship because he was married or because he was just flirting, they want to punish him. And suddenly it becomes sexual harassment and suddenly they call a lawyer or they go to the media. So, um, of course, you know, in the in cases, uh, it's uh, a, a lot of times it's about money. They want, they're suing because they want to get money from their alleged harasser. Uh, in addition to getting, being acknowledged for, um, for being harmed, for being, um, uh, harmed by this man. And sometimes they want to, it gives them an opportunity, and particularly now with these women, to stand on their soapbox and shout sexual harassment. And it's a way to get the, the world, in this case, to see them as, as attractive. A lot of these women, if not all of these women, are insecure about their looks. Now, even some of these women are attractive or were attractive at the time that this um, sexual harassment allegedly occurred, but it doesn't really matter how much, you know, the reality of how attractive a woman is. If she believes that she um, is, is not as attractive as, you know, as Barbie, um, she would be insecure about herself. And so this is a way of, of proving to the world, look, I'm so gorgeous that even a man like Donald Trump, who now has and has had beautiful wives, and um, with his money and his uh, earlier looks, he could have, you know, gotten most women. Um, e you know, even a man like this found me so irresistible that he couldn't keep his hands off of me. That's what they're saying. So, and that's what they want to be seen as. Um, now, to, to, to go even deeper, uh, <laughs> For the women who are bad girls, and I'm not saying that they're all bad girls, I'll, as I said, I'm going to go into specifics later, but with the caveat, 
that I have not ever met, nor certainly uh, done a psychiatric examination of these women. But from what is known so far about them, what they have said themselves, um, I can certainly offer my opinions. Um, so, so for women who are who turn into bad girls, which essentially means women who um, are have problems with men, different kinds of problems with men that I talk about, they have they start out by having a dysfunctional relationship with their father when they were growing up, that made them feel unlovable, and that made them um, turn into bad girls who have an unconscious resentment um, and fear of intimidation by men. So they want to punish father figures, men like Donald Trump, who is campaigning to be the father of our country. Then, um, as I mentioned, there's the bad girl scorned profile that I talk about, um, where these women, uh, even though they, in most cases they just met him briefly, some of the women knew him a little more, but, but either way, you know, to whatever degree they knew him, they had fantasies, even instantaneous fantasies, of becoming his girlfriend or wife and what a marvelous life that would be. And then when he didn't follow through with developing a relationship, they felt scorned and wanted to get back at him even all these years later. I've talked about the insecurities. Um, also, in, in legal terms, there's a word called malingering. And what this means is it's a psychiatric diagnosis. Um, well, it's in the psychiatric diagnostic and statistical manual that um, I have made as an expert witness for not just for some women who were alleging sexual harassment and again some of the women <laughs> were true I found on the side of some of the women that they were actually sexually harassed but for women who were essentially lying it means lying malingering means when you lie for secondary gain meaning um, when you you're purposely falsifying or exaggerating the truth because of some benefit to you so this benefit could be money it could be 15 minutes of fame or it could be these psychological benefits that I was talking about a woman scorned wanting to get back at a man um, and so on so now I know what you're thinking that um, <laughs> That why don't I, what kind of woman am I? Why aren't I sticking up for these women? Like it's seeing, you know, it's so, it's so, it's been so interesting to see, um, particularly women. I don't see so many men uh, falling for some of these wolf crying women, quite frankly. Um, but women who I know have had these experiences themselves where they've been hugged, who hasn't been hugged by a guy who you think is gross, yuck, and then you wipe his slobber off your face. I mean, come on. Um, so these women who have had these experiences, who have told men stop or have just, you know, shrugged it off or whatever, um, are, are all about saying, oh, these poor, poor women, oh my God, Trump has, has, sexually harassed all these women. Oh, this is awful. I mean, really? <laughs> um, so I know you're thinking, why aren't I like most other women who are saying that this is awful? Well, um, I, because for one thing, I know, you know, I know that, um, that most women have gone through this. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm not saying that a man um, or even another woman should be able to um, touch you in places you don't want touched or invade your space. But at the same time, I am saying that this is a tempest in a teapot 
and it's getting um, it's getting higher on the news sites than the things we really need to be worried about. That's what's bothering me the most. You know, it boggles my mind. Just today, for example, um, the these women, uh, these accusers are getting top billing when at the same time today, there are so many things that are much more important than this, like the internet being down in some places all over America. It started on the East Coast, and now it's been on the West Coast too. And even in Europe, it's, it's hit some places in Europe. And why is this important besides, you know, getting people frustrated um, about not being able to land on certain internet sites and use uh, social media and so on? Well, it's a very scary situation because really, first there was Julian Assange's uh, internet cut off by the Ecuadorian embassy. They have admitted that, and the it, it certainly seems to have been proven that it was... Um, John Kerry or someone from the United States on behalf of Hillary asking the Ecuadorian uh, embassy to shut down Julian Assange and WikiLeaks because WikiLeaks was leaking all these really damaging emails about Hillary and she didn't want any more uh, leaked. Then the second thing that was to, on top of today's news uh, or should have been <laughs> under these women, I mean now it was under these women and should have been top, um, there, the London City Airport was shut down for unspecified, uh, an unspecified chemical incident. Uh, still, still uh, they are not um, saying, they have not uh, determined yet what this unspecified chemical incident is, but as you may know, there has been a commentary that with the falling of Mosul, um, there is likely to be a scattering of terrorists into Europe, uh, certainly into everywhere, um, but into Europe, it, it was particularly said. Um, and so could this, this unspecified chemical incident be a result of some terrorists who um, scattered from the Middle East because of the battles that are happening there, the terrorists who are being... Um, uh, you know, leaving there to go to Europe. And then, of course, we have always in the background the economy that's in a deep hole that isn't getting better. So all these things um, are so much more important. And what is getting attention? Of course, you know, Sex Freud came up with this hundreds of years, a hundred years ago, that, um, that sex and violence sells. And yes, obviously it does. Um, and so, yes, it's a lot sexier to hear about these women alleging sexual harassment than it is to hear about Hillary's emails. People have kind of gotten tone deaf to Hillary's emails. So let me now, um, as I, I promised, well, let me tell you another story, um, personal story, that as an expert witness, um, as I said, I've been on both sides of the argument, sometimes on behalf of the women who allege sexual harassment, because it, it was really sexual harassment, and sometimes on the side of the defendant. And, uh, and I will say that sometimes women are afraid to come out um, because they're afraid they won't be believed. And yes, now with this onslaught of women coming out in regard to Trump, it makes it easier for them to come out um, and with their story because there have been previous stories. 
But, um, you know, a typical case that I've dealt with in sexual, in, in a legal case that I've dealt with as an expert, um, is this case of a, a receptionist who was working at a music college. And she had a crush on a music teacher there who was pretty well known, you know, he was a celebrity, a minor celebrity, and she was hot for him. And they um, had these things that she sort of trumped, <laughs> trumped up in her mind were dates. And um, she was, you know, she was his personal assistant, so she had to go with him to a lot of different places. And she was fantasizing that, you know, he was asking her to go to these places because he was interested in having a relationship with her. Well, she was all fine and dandy with that and flirting with him and encouraging that until she found out that this teacher was dating other women at the school. And lo and behold, Faster than you could say sexual harassment, <laughs> she went to a lawyer and filed a lawsuit. Now, I was able to, through a whole, through a lot of investigation, I mean, first of all, through meeting with her um, for a whole day and giving her psychological tests, but mainly meeting and talking with her and finding inconsistencies in her story and, uh, and doing a timeline showing that all, all of a sudden, you know, there was a change in her, how she acted towards him once she found out that he was dating other women in the school. So, you know, I, I, maybe I'm hardened because I have seen cases where the women were really lying and I, ha I have been able to prove that. So let's look actually at um, some of these women who are, have accused uh, Trump. First, we have Jessica Leeds. She, um, her, her uh, allegations of sexual harassment uh, relate to something that happened around 1980, 36 years ago, on a plane. Jessica Leeds is now 74. She lives in Manhattan, and she told the New York Times that Trump inappropriately touched her, quote, like an octopus, unquote during a flight from Connecticut to New York. Now, for some reason that she, either that the Times didn't report or that she didn't report, she was upgraded to first class. And, uh, you know, one has to wonder whether she had seen Trump uh, before getting on the plane and asked to be upgraded to first class. But let's give her the benefit of the doubt for that. Anyway, she was escorted to an open seat next to Trump. And... Once they were airborne, Trump supposedly raised the seat divider, grabbed her chest, and attempted to move one of his hands up her skirt. He kissed her, um, she said. Now, what is fascinating about this is that she, in her own words, in an interview, said that this went on for 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Now, if you really didn't like this, why wouldn't you get up... <laughs> You're in an airplane in a public place, a small public place. Why wouldn't you just jump up from your seat and, and yell stop? And then she, in an interview, she said um, that, that if, it had, if it hadn't been, if he had st um, stuck to the upper part of her body, it might not have gotten her that upset. Just listen to that. So she was okay as long as he stuck to the upper part of her body, but when he supposedly went to go up her skirt, then she didn't like that. Well, um, 
you know, why was she letting him do it? For well, let her, letting him kiss her and pull her towards him, and of course her breasts would have touched him, his chest, presumably. Um, why for 15 minutes if she wasn't hoping that something would continue with him? Um, again, you know, she said she recognized him. She knew who it was, so she knew he was rich. And there are pictures of him from that age. He was really cute. <laughs> And so she she apparently enjoyed it for 15 minutes. And then, you know, then she then she got scared or she got or maybe it told her, you know, it was a signal, a red flag that that uh, or she worried that maybe he was just out for for, you know, sex again, if this happened, if this happened. But now supposedly she's filing a lawsuit. Now, I don't I don't see how that lawsuit would have a chance for something 36 years ago. Um, it's a he said, she said, uh, unless she can find the stewardess and the man across the aisle who she said was there um, to to remember. And, and how would they know? You know, would they really have seen a man uh, put his hand up her skirt? I, I, you know, that's all very unlikely. And, could, and are they credible if they did say that at this point, 36 years later? I mean, maybe the lawsuit is about defamation because, you know, he's been, Trump has been saying uh, things about her, <laughs> that she's a liar. Anyhow, let's go on to the next one. Mindy McGillivray, uh, supposedly in 2003 um, at the Mar-a-Lago Club, um, she said that uh, he groped her 13 years ago when she was a assisting a photographer hired to work at a concert at the club. And she said, quote, this was a pretty good nudge, more of a grab. It was pretty close to the center of my butt. I was startled. I jumped. <laughs> okay, a pretty good nudge. Really? I mean, that couldn't have just been by accident. More of a grab. I mean, it's like pretty close to the center of my butt. Pretty close. <laughs> I mean, really, is she reaching or what? Then we have Rachel Crooks, 2005, uh, outside a Trump Tower elevator. Now, um, she was a receptionist at Rachel Crooks. No, I mean, she, Rachel, this is Rachel Crooks. She was a receptionist at the Bayrock Group in, um, in Trump Tower. Um, they both worked in, this, in Trump Tower. And she said she attempted to be cordial to him because he was one of her company's business partners. And she said, but after saying hello and shaking hands, she claims Trump kissed her on her cheeks and then on the mouth. I mean, really? <laughs> Outside an elevator? I mean, even if he did do that and he doesn't remember any of this, uh, you know, maybe he kissed her on the cheeks. I mean, what is the big deal? Was it really sexual? You know, it was so inappropriate, she said. I was so upset that he thought I was so insignificant that he could do that. Really? Maybe he recognized her from the company that he was um, partners with and, and did that as a nice gesture. Again, men in that, from that generation, I mean, okay, this was 2005, but still, I mean, he was born in a, you know, in a certain generation that would make him 70 today. And that would seem more paternalistic, like it wasn't a big deal. I hardly think he got a hard-on um, kissing her out in the outside the elevator in this, in this building that they both share. It's not even like he's going to be able to get rid of her. You know, there's, he's going to be seeing her 
fairly frequently if they if she works at this company that he's a partner in. I mean, come on. Then, um, then there's Natasha Stoinoff in 2005 at the Mar-a-Lago Club. Um, he, she's a People magazine writer, and she was there um, to cover uh, the one-year anniversary of Trump and Melania. And um, she claims that he took her into a room, walked her into a room uh, where nobody else was, and um, pushed her against a wall and forced his tongue into her throat. I mean, really? He would do that when, um, obviously, you know, Melania is going to be seeing this woman right again. They were in the middle of the shoot, and, and he would take a, a chance that this reporter would say something to Melania, that he did that on their first year anniversary. I mean, that just stra strains credulity. <laughs> Okay, then there's an anonymous woman. That really, that, you know, makes it seem um, real. Um, the, uh, this was, this story happened supposedly, or she's alleging it happened in 2010 in Trump Tower. Boy, he does a lot of things in Trump Tower, supposedly, um, which is rather dangerous. Um, one would think Trump would know not to do that if he was ever doing these kinds of things. But um, anyway, but this is kind of a, another ridiculous um supposedly uh this is a a cnn um uh, someone who works for cnn aaron burnett who is saying that this story happened to her anonymous friend her friend who wants to remain anonymous i mean that you know that in itself you can't remain anonymous if you're making these kinds of serious ac accusations against someone you can't count on someone who just because they work for cnn um, she said that he, that, uh, this anonymous friend was with Trump in a Trump Tower boardroom and he took some Tic Tacs and leaned in to kiss her on the lips, which caught her off guard. Uh, then she said, you know, it's interesting in one article, it said, uh, kissed her on the lips, but in an, in an, um, interview, uh, Aaron Burnett said that it was almost on the lips and, um, and then he supposedly invited her into his office alone. I'm sure he invites lots of people into his office alone. And he told the woman she was special. And that's terrible. And then proceeded to give her his cell phone number. I ran the hell out of there. Well, you know, there could be lots of reasons why this was his, his office. There could be lots of reasons why he gave her his cell phone number. That story has lots of problems. Then there's a woman, Temple Taggart, supposedly in 1997 when she, um, at a rehearsal for the Miss USA pageant, when she was Miss Utah, he uh, gave her a, an embrace and kissed her on the lips during rehearsal. And um, this supposedly was repeated later during a meeting at Trump Tower. And she said, now this is interesting, she said, if I had a boyfriend that I was meeting for lunch, that's the kind of kiss it would have been. It was a warm embrace and then a kiss. Just a quick, kind of a peck, she told NBC. <laughs> a peck. Big deal. I mean, these women are, are, I'm sure Trump is not the only man who has, if he, well, to begin with, if he did any of this, but if he did any of this, I am sure he is not the only man who did any of these things to these women. But, you know, the other men who did it are not running for president. 
Okay, then we have Kristen Anderson, early 1990s. Uh, she was an aspire. She was a an aspiring model at the time. She's now a photographer. Um, she said that she was um, this this in a in a Manhattan nightclub where certainly she you know presumably she and potentially Trump were drinking. Um, but again, uh, I mean, I don't want to say that. I mean, let's just since I'm talking about her. I mean, people generally drink in nightclubs. So, you know, her memory of this from the early 1990s could well be a little foggy. Uh, but she said his fingers slid under her mini skirt, moved up her inner thigh and touched her vagina through her underwear. She, she didn't know Trump, but says she recognized him instantly when she pulled away. Now in an interview of her, um, she talks about how she was Sitting on a couch, well, even in a couple of interviews, um, she was saying how she was talking to friends when this happened. Now, so she wasn't even looking at the man who supposedly did this. And yet now, <laughs> all these years later, she's sure it was Trump. I mean, ridiculous. Um, then Summer Zervos, um, she's one of the ones who is represented by... Um, Gloria Allred. Um, she she is the a former. She's saying that this happened in the Beverly Hills Hotel, and she's a former Apprentice contest contestant. And she said that Trump first kissed her during a meeting in New York, but she was still interested in getting a job at the Trump Organization. She met Trump for dinner after after he kissed her, and this was terrible, right? Um, she still met him for dinner in Los Angeles. She said she was escorted into a room next to where he was getting dressed. It's kind of unclear what that means, but anyhow. And she claims that he later kissed her, quote, very aggressively and placed his hand on, on my breast, unquote. She said she still had dinner with Trump and later called him to inquire about getting a job. Really? If all of these things were so horrible, why did she keep calling him and trying and keep trying to get a job? Why did she want to have any continued uh, connection with him, contact with him, if he was doing all these awful things? Uh, then, um, then we have Kathy Heller. We're coming to the end of this, <laughs> I hope. Let's see. Yes. Well, we, okay. We just have three more to go. I mean, you know... If, but you're getting the picture, folks. Okay, we have Kathy Heller. I mean, it's important to look at each of them because because when you look at each of them, you realize how how there's there's no there there. Okay, Kathy Heller, 1997 at Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club. Okay, Heller um, is now 63. She was 44 at the time. She this is this one. They're all different. It's I mean you know they're all there's there's a lot of things that are the same, but you know they all have different stories about where where these uh, um, alleged things happen. So she was um, at uh, Mar-a-Lago during a Mother's Day brunch, and she was introduced to Trump allegedly by her mother-in-law, and um, she says Trump took my hand quote took my hand and grabbed me and went for the lips unquote without her consent. Uh, she claims that, um, that he held her in place and kissed her. She said, he said, oh, come on. And then he kissed her. 
Um, now, presumably, and she she claims she, she told a friend about this, and she had a relative who witnessed part of it. Now, you know, I don't know if that's her mother-in-law or somebody else, but really, if there was something sexual, if Trump was, if this happened, and if it was sexual, do you really think Trump would have done this in front of her relatives or that um, in front of her mother-in-law? I mean... I mean, if it, if it was something that was supposed that these women are, are interpreting that all these things were to to get Trump sexually uh, excited or satisfied. Um, now, what's interesting about this woman, what a coincidence. She not only is she a Democratic activist, and so this is clearly could clearly be seen as being politically motivated, but she has a legal dispute against Mar-a-Lago which, of course, as you know, is owned by Mr. Trump. So do you think it helps her legal case to come up with these allegations? And do you think her friend and relative would say that this happened to help her legal case? Yes, I have frequently seen that happen in legal cases. Jill Harth, supposedly in 1992 to 1993 at a Manhattan nightclub and then later at Mar-a-Lago, um, a den of iniquity, obviously, Jill Harth and her then-boyfriend, George, um, entered into a business venture with Donald Trump, which included holding an event at one, of the, at one of his Atlantic City casinos. Now, he supposedly made unwanted sexual advances towards her, including groping under her skirt on two different occasions in 1992 and 1993 during their initial meetings. Initial meetings! Why, if this happened, and if it was so horrible, if it was unwanted sexual advances, why did she continue to meet with him and, and enter into a business venture with him? Why? Because she thought it was going to make a lot of money. And why? Because she was, even though she had a boyfriend at the time, she was undoubtedly um, at least fantasizing about a relationship with Trump. Now, and interestingly, who's her lawyer? Lisa Bloom. Who's Lisa Bloom? The daughter of Gloria Allred. Da, da, da. <laughs> okay. Now, also, um, Mr. Trump, um, not only is he denying all these things and so on, but she, he said that she, this Jill made repeated requests for employment and made attempts to seek out uh, Trump and and her support of his candidacy. There were emails from her. Get this, emails from Jill Harth. The last one from January 2016, in which she thanks Trump and offers up her support for his presidential run. What happened between January 2016 and now when she's come forward? Well, I'll tell you. Um, it's either that she was hoping for some more attention from Trump, you know, um, they didn't, he didn't respond to her offering her support. Or she was hoping for, um, well, now she's, she's hoping, now she has a lawyer, so she's hoping for money from Mr. Trump. Okay, and last but not least, the, um, the last, the tenth woman to come forward, ju to just come forward after the third debate. And of course, what started this, this flood of women was the Access Hollywood video and audio um, with Trump saying these things, you know, a locker room talk, <laughs> um, egged on 
by the Access Hollywood Reporter uh, about women, you know. And so all of a sudden, all these ah, these women saw that their opportunity to claim that he did that, he actually did these things to them. So the tenth woman is Karina Virginia. She's a yoga instructor, and um, she claimed that um, that he um, that. <laughs> that she was waiting in 1998, she was at the US Open, and she was waiting for a car to take her home. And she said she her overheard Trump telling some guys um, that he supposedly said, hey, look at this one. We haven't seen her before. Look at those legs. Now she's saying she that this was as though she was an object rather than a person. Now, um, she supposedly, he supposedly then grabbed her arm and touched her breast. That's presumably, you know, she means like as he put his, his arm through hers, it touched her breast, whatever. I was in shock, she said. Um, and then he supposedly said, uh, she said, I flinched. And he supposedly said, don't you know I, who I am? And then she says, I felt intimidated and powerless. She was 27 at the time. And, um... Trump would have been in his early 50s. So then she got into the car and she said, my shock turned to shame and so on. Now, what's interesting is <laughs> there's always, just like in these cases, if you go, if you dig a little deeper, you, you come upon the real truth, the real, the real bottom line to their stories. Um, and so with her, she said she ran into Trump again about five years ago, and he, quote, looked me up and down in a lecherous manner. But apparently that is all he did. And, you know, this is presuming it was lecherous and not in her mind. But in any case, he didn't go up to her. He didn't apparently, apparently recognize her. He didn't remember her from having met her at the U.S. Open, of course, in uh, years and years ago, uh, 1998. Um, and so she felt hurt. She was rejected. Um, he didn't remember her. her. Her ego was hurt. Now, you gotta, if you haven't um, seen this already, you have got to, you have got to Google this because when you look at her uh, interview, she's sitting next to Gloria. She's already, she's reading from um, prepared notes as, as the other one did as well. Um, She's, and her drama, she is, she had, if not, again, I did not meet any of these women. I cannot diagnose them as a psychiatrist. I can only tell you that it fits patterns of women who I have, who I have seen in countless other um, times before, cases and so on. And um, she, she has the, at least histrionic traits, if not a histrionic personality. I mean, she pauses for dramatic effect like uh, <laughs> an actress could not have done better. So this is a good example. And actually, you should look at the, there are videos of some of the other women as well. And you see the, the um, you see what's, what's, the problem is, you see what the real issue is in all of their accusations. Well, let me go to the um, uh, portion of the Terrorist Therapist Show where I answer emails and letters. 
and there's an email from Howard. And he says, what is happening in the world today? Now if a man gives a woman a kiss on the cheek or a peck on the lips, it's sexual harassment. It's a good thing I'm not running for president. I'd have women coming out of the woodwork too, alleging that I sexually harassed them. I can assure you I was not being sexual, just trying to show a myriad of expressions, paternal fondness, compassion, sympathy for their loss, and mostly just, hello, I think you're nice. The war between men and women has gone too far. Feminists are emasculating men every day. Now it's even taking over the presidential elections. I asked my daughters whether men have ever done to them what Trump supposedly did to these women, and they said, other than the possible but not believable hand up the skirt, that they would just shrug it off as not a big deal, or they would push the man away. Yes, Howard. <laughs> um, the relation between men and women are worse these days than ever. Uh, you obviously raised your daughters to relate to men in a healthy way. That isn't to say, and I don't want to be misconstrued, that isn't to say that, um, and, and his daughters um, are, are um, I, didn't, I didn't give their ages, but they are, uh, young adults. Obviously, if if obviously children or teenagers um, or even uh, young adults, if it is something serious, then you re certainly children and teenagers should report any kind of touching um, to their parents or to a teacher. Uh, you know clearly, but but if it's if it's adults, if it's you know if it's between adults, and if a woman um, a woman either needs to react. By, as apparently Howard's daughters do, um, by pushing the man away or telling them to stop, and then shrugging off the incident. I mean, unless it is, it is something much more serious than that, and then you make a big deal of it at the time. But 36 years later, and at, at a convenient time to be able to try to get attention, um, for what a man supposed a man running for president supposedly did, you know these things are rather suspect. So yes, anytime um, I certainly would caution all women, whatever their age, to make sure that they are not um, being uh, touched or 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 that they're being respected in all ways. So let me end here. <laughs> I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. Um, my, I just want you to think about this and don't believe everything you hear or read about these women making these accusations. Uh, don't believe their crocodile tears. Read more, listen to more of the interviews and read more about these women and decide for yourself.